Their backs are never up against the wall. Campbell versus Gallo on TSN 690. Oh, my Lord in heaven! Hockey heaven at 11. Off the drops, one by Anaheim, out to center ice, and it's turned over. Here's Gouli, two on Noah, Gignac, Gignac shoots, he scores! Brandon Gignac, first in the National Hockey League. 2.45 to go in the third. This is a goal in a moment he will never forget. Scoring is a half in his home province. Is there any way that Caden Gooley was going to shoot that puck when he saw who he was with? Dishes it off, a two on zero. Geniac's coming in quickly, puck gets over, makes no mistake. Short side, right under the bar for the first of his career. I introduced myself to Brandon this morning. We had a great chat. Family was in for the weekend, hanging around here too. His brother Will used to play at Concordia, played in the QMJHL for a bit said his mom grew up a Quebec Nordiques fan because she's from Quebec but Brandon's always been a Habs fan and this is a magical moment for him it's been a long road to this point dans la Ligue Nationale de Hockey compté par le numéro 74 Canadian's goal is first NHL goal scored by number 74 Brandon Gignac got paid to play hockey. Now he talks about it for free. J.P. O'Connor. Hockey heaven at 11, Campbell versus Gala. We bring in J.P. O'Connor. How you doing, J.P.? I'm doing well, Sean. What did you think of that? Uh, what did you think of that goal last night with Genia? Uh, I thought it was uh, absolutely great. I actually caught that one uh, live, listening to you and Victor in the car, and uh, you guys described it uh, when I got home and watched it. It was exactly how I thought it went, and you're right, Caden Gooley uh, making that play over to. Uh, Zidniak, uh, no doubt about it. Zidniak had to catch up a little bit because uh, Gouli was ahead of him on the play, and that little forehand play is not the easiest to do, but he buried it nicely. I was just thinking about this, JP. You know, scoring a goal at the NHL level, um, you know, for someone who was in the minors for so long, I know you never got to experience that, but what do you think it was like for Zidniak? <laughs> I'm sure that he was bursting with pride when he got back to the bench and, and the fact that it was in uh, a bit of a runaway game and, and, and the, you know, the fans were, were so exuberant and, and, and enjoying themselves. And he's able to just put an exclamation point on it at the end. I, I bet you there are maybe only a couple of circumstances where that goal would have been sweeter. And, uh, and I'm sure he's, he's happy as a clam today. I, I was thinking about it, Sean, you, you've, you know, you've, you've called tons of games yourself. You, you know, you call CFL, you, you do everything. Um, I, I was thinking, you know, are there any are there any calls that you remember specifically on first goals of the career? Because I know you and I called uh, Caulfield's first goal uh, when he left Wisconsin, and he, he just won the uh, the Hobie Baker came in and played for for Laval. Are there any that stick out specifically for you? Uh, man, there's there's a lot, and I, and I was thinking about that because there was a couple, you know, last year's just with the Canadians, but I know uh, sure. I do more Laval, but there was that year where I think the Canadians had 
13 first goals of their career. That's how many people that they called up one year. Incredible. And I didn't call I, I didn't call them all or anything. Sure. But uh, but I'll I'll tell you this and and not that I have something specific for you, but when you're you're prepping for a game and I do this at the AHA level when there's players I'm I'm not sure I always make sure if it's the opposition or the home team, if this is their first professional goal, you want to just make sure that you you give it a little bit extra, right? A little bit more juice. And I, I I love the call from Victor last night. I think that that's, you know, those are special moments that you can relive on television, radio, audio, video, and they're great moments for those players. So yeah, I specifically, I may give me, give me some time to think about it because I turned the tables on you a little bit. No, no, that's fine. Because specifically, I remember specifically you and I getting ready to call Caulfield for a game in, uh, in, in Toronto. Uh, when he was playing with Laval, and, and it took him all of, I think it was five minutes or something like that, and the, and the first goal was in the net. Uh, but it got me thinking about the amount of games that you guys have called, or Victor, or Dan Robertson, who's you know was with us for for a long time at uh, at six ninety, and some of the you know some of the great goals that uh, the players have, have scored to start their career, and then gone on to score bundles more. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's there's two players on the Owls, uh, longtime Canadian players that were with the team, and Jeshwan Antri scored. Sure. Uh, I know that it had been two full seasons where he never got in the end zone. Oh, dear. And then he got into the end zone this year. And then we had that big play with Regis Sibasu, and he had been in the league for five, six years with no touchdowns. Now he's a tight end, doesn't get the ball that much. But, <laughs> right. but I I was very aware that they had no touchdowns, and I, I distinctly remember those calls. So, they, uh, you know, I'll go to the football world on that one, because sure. that's, that's years, right, without of getting course. your first score versus – you know, you're a rookie. You're going to score your first goal usually eventually that season. Oh, no question. But you can, you know, there's there's only there's a limited number of games in football. Yeah, you're right. So, but it's great to hear. Uh, it was great to hear last night. I think Victor did a good job. Stepped on it a little bit too, and and uh, and you could you could tell from the reaction of the crowd and um, that it was uh, that it was a big one. JP, what have you thought of his uh, game since being called up? I think I think that he's I think that he's done quite well under the circumstances, and the circumstances haven't been easy, have they, Mitch? When you when you come in, um, you know, to a to a team that you know is in a funk or in in, in a rebuilding phase, um, you still have to fit in. You still have to you know uh, you know um, perform and 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 kind of adapt. Uh, but it's but sometimes it's 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 not always as, as easy as it, as it might sound. You might think that might be the best place to come in because it can be a little looser or, you know, you've got maybe some guaranteed opportunity that you're going to get on the ice, but, but it can, sometimes it can, it can work against you too, because you end up, you know, potentially playing out of position or you end up playing more minutes than you expect and, and are forced into some, you know, more difficult decisions. But, uh, honestly, I think that his game has been rather simple. Uh, the fourth line, and you look last night with um, with the job. I thought Pizetta had another uh, strong game last night, and and uh, and when Ulanen was out in the ice with Gignac, you know there was at least two or three shifts that come to mind where I thought, hey, those are quality. Those are quality shifts where the fourth line has has done its job, breaks out of its own. Uh, and gets the pucks in deep, recovers it, you know, or creates a turnover, uh, gets some zone time, and then hands it right back off to the Suzuki line, who were, you know, were hot as pistols last night. And uh, and so, uh, you know, you look at Gignac and, and the work that he's done so far. I, I think it's been commendable, and and uh, and and we'll see kind of how it continues to play out. You hope, you know, you hope he's able to capitalize on a little bit of momentum and 
and uh, and and continue to to kind of move forward and, and see if he can get more than you know ten or twelve minutes a night. See if he can get a little bit more under his belt and get more reps so the Canadians can can see him. But so far, so good. I think in the games that he's played. Uh, JP, you have uh, covered probably almost in his entirety uh, Jake Evans' career with Laval yeah. and and Montreal. And we were discussing earlier his finish on that goal. Great little finish. He's got opportunity now, right, with all the injuries to all the center icemen. He, we know he's playing higher in the lineup. But you and I have both seen there is offense deep within that game that comes defense first. Talk to well, me about is. Jake Evans's offensive abilities, and can he showcase them down the stretch here with this, off, uh, with this opportunity playing higher in the lineup? Uh, yeah, I, I think he can. Um, and but I'm but I'll come back to something then that I that I touched on with Gignac and and that is minutes and and uh, it's one thing to get opportunity, but you know when when Jake Evans was playing 16, 17, 18 minutes out of necessity for the Canadians, I think that's too much. And when you play that much, then you can you can actually kind of skate yourself out of out of games and and take yourself out of being an impact player. I think if you know, if if the bench is managed in such a way, and saying we can manage it in such a way because he's got the the, the players in front of him to do it, and he can get you know uh, fifteen minutes, and I think that there is more offense in his game, um, and uh, and I think it was on display last night with the hands. I I don't know if the high water, uh, you know, if if Jake Evans is high water mark when he played, uh, you know, this. 70, 70 odd games a couple of years ago, and he ended up with just under thirty points and and uh, early teens and goals. Is that the high water mark? I think it might be. I think I don't. I don't think it's you know. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to think that he could you know be a, a ten goal scorer at the NHL level. But I think thirteen and plus might be a, a bit of a stretch. Uh, but I think he's definitely a better passer uh, than he gets credit for. And uh, and when playing alongside last night, playing alongside uh, uh, you know Pearson and, and Anderson, there, I think there's enough there that he can take advantage of the passing skills and and uh, and get those guys going. Do you think there's potential for him to be traded at the deadline? Um, it's, it's funny that you it's funny that you bring that up, Mitch, because I was looking at um, I was looking at some of the numbers, and, and you, you're having a look to see you know who could be on the block, and and I think with Evans that the. The, the salary, you know, the, the $1.7 million he's making this year and next, I think that might be a little much for uh, a team to take a run at if you're going to drop him into uh, a fourth-line role, uh, a penalty-killing role. Yeah, he's, you know, he's solid in the face-off circle and, and as a right-handed shot. I think those are always things that, that you value, especially at, at uh, you know, when you come down to the big tournament. But... Uh, I think it might be a little bit much if if somebody got into a real pinch all of a sudden and, and needed something, then maybe they'd pre- be prepared to overpay. But I would, if if you're asking me to lay a bet down, I would say that I would be prepared to to bet that Evans will start the season in Montreal next year. Uh, JP, when you look at uh, you know some of the scouts that were in the building yesterday, we had a couple of assistant to GMs taking in that game between sure. Anaheim and Montreal, and you know maybe they're looking at uh, Adam Enrique, but with all the injuries, especially on sure. the blue line for Tampa Bay, uh, Jamie Pusher was in the building, and I couldn't help but wonder about a potential David Savard Tampa Bay reunion. It could be, um, could be. I, I would say that there's probably you know some other players that they're that they're looking at there, but but there is comfort I think for Tampa in, in looking at a guy like David Savard, knowing that they can slot him in, knowing that uh, you know that that uh, Savard would you know even though there's some faces that have changed in that locker room, there's still a lot of players who 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 knew him. 
uh, understand what he's all about, appreciates uh, what he can do, uh, and and value you know what uh, what he brings to the ice, especially at uh, at playoff time. But uh, again, I know I know that Tampa's got you know suddenly has some uh, some money to to use. But I think you have to ask yourself: there is is it a is it enough of a gamble? Does Tampa feel like they're in a position where? Uh, they can take this money on uh, on for next year, and you know, slot them into the you know a, a third pair role uh, next season, and, and accept the fact that he's going to be making that type of money when when they're going to be tight again next season. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, uh, especially for somebody like Tampa. But um, but again, I, I think that that that. It, it's got to be kind of money in, money out for some of those teams, maybe with the exception of Tampa. Look, I, I totally agree with next next year and, and, and that being an issue, especially for a team like Tampa Bay, who's right up yeah. against the salary cap. But as you're explaining it, I couldn't help but think about the uh, Simpsons clip where he's debating having uh, another beer. And in his head, he goes, <laughs> well, I'm not going to feel great tomorrow. But hey, that's future Homer's problem. Sure it is, and uh, and Julian Brisbois, I'm sure, has, has talked himself into many of those beers or trades. You know, Tampa has Tampa's done amazingly well with with very little kind of collateral to, to play with, and uh, and it seems to work out. You know, Coop and and uh, and the group down there are uh, you know it's a pretty well oiled machine. But man, they just keep keep taking some some heavy hits here, and I, and at some point you have to look at it, and, and any manager will, will acknowledge this. At some point you just have to ask yourself, okay, are, are we going to stand pat here? Are we going to paint ourselves into a corner next year and, and wake up with, uh, like you're talking about with, with Homer there, wake up with the headache that you're going to have to deal with when, when if you stood pat, then you might have been okay. So I, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here, Mitch, but, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that David Savar is, is a solution for, uh, for Tampa right now. Uh, JP, one of our questions we're going to ask at Habs lunch is with the strong play of Nick Suzuki of late, he's nearing a point a game uh, pace. He's he's above that now, yep. uh, just over the last stretch with his point streak, but he's nearing a point a game for the season. One, is he a point a game player? Do you think he can be a point a game player at some point in his career? And why is he playing so well right now with nobody really behind him helping him out? Well, I, I mean, Sean, when you look at at uh, Slavkovsky right now, he's certainly he's certainly pulling his weight, and uh, and you know, there's been some things that Slavkovsky has done over the last month or so that I think lead you to believe that you know it, it's not going to be rosy like this all the time. But certainly, there are more components to Slavkovsky's game of late that have come together that complement Suzuki's game. And, you know, Caulfield, uh, you know, starts the year off in, in a tough spot and just can't seem to find the back of the net. And, and you don't expect that to, to, to last forever. And, and he suddenly gets untracked as well. You know, if, if those two are pulling their weight, then I think Suzuki's got enough to be, uh, to be hovering around it. Uh, again, is it, is it the high watermark? I, I tend to think that it is. Uh, with with him, I think he can. I think he can get there. I just don't know if he can get there every single year. Once you know, once he hits it, if you can depend on him to get to, to get back up there. Um, but uh, but but you know, he's 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 looking good of late, and uh, and I think that there's enough there to be to be hopeful. But I think if uh, I would be pessimistic um, in in saying that he's going to be able to do it every single year. JP. Uh... I know we haven't seen a ton just yet, so maybe it's 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 tough to evaluate. But when you look at the Canadians' big picture, do you see Alex Newhook as a second line player or a third line player? Where what position is he in? I would say wing. Like yeah, I, I, I think easily wing there. Yeah. Yeah. 
if I don't think he is a second line centerman. Um, I, you know, and, and I and I don't say that because because I, I think that that's the the position that Doc is is naturally going to gravitate to, and and who's to say that Doc couldn't end up pushing Suzuki uh, for for the one slot. Um, you know, he, he certainly had flashes, but I I don't think that Newhook. Um, is can do enough of the heavy lifting that you require of a third line centerman uh, to slot in. Uh, so I would think if he's going to be in your top six, that he's got to be, a, you know, he's got to be a top six winger. And then you have to ask yourself, Mitch, at that point, you know, is he going to be able to produce enough um, with, uh, you know, to to, to kind of warrant that spot? I happen to think that, um, you know, if if things are going well with with Suzuki and that third center is is well slotted that the second line can be insulated enough where they can they can produce uh, and then he could be you know he could be a, a a player that that you know plays regularly in your top 6 i think as the canadians continue to progress with you know the the the, the hopes of being a you know a stanley cup contender um, then i think he slides down in your lineup and ends up being a a, a third liner eventually when they're ready to contend I'll win.